back like we never left. It's Double Move Sports. As always, I'm Steph Albiero back from my battle with COVID-19. Made it to the other side. I'm like 95% now. I'm here with Alex Lott, my guy. He's been holding it down the last couple weeks with perfect off-season videos. But Alex, what's up, man? I'm excited to talk Dynasty today. Man, I'm just glad we're back. I think this is the longest, br- I mean, we say break we've taken since we started this whole thing, but it, it wasn't much of a break. I mean, you were going toe-to-toe with, with COVID. I was worried about you there for a while, so I'm glad that you are back, Steph. Back in good health and good spirits. And for me, I mean, I've been doing the off-season videos. They've been a lot of fun. I might continue to do some of those as well. And then I've been moving. I moved down south to the great state of Florida out of the cold up in Maryland where I was before. So Tampa Bay Buccaneers bandwagon fan. It's been busy. It's been busy for both of us, but dude, I'm hyped that we're back. Got a lot to talk about today. A lot of news has broken since we last hopped on the pod. We've had some some blockbuster quarterback trades, so we'll get into a little bit of that today. I know we're talking once later on, but all I can say is good to be back. I'm so hyped to be back. Uh, A lot of Colts talk. As our resident Colts fan at DMS, I'm excited to hear these takes. And there's going to be a little bit of passion and bias behind them. So if any of that does start to creep out, it'll have to meet you with my uh, clinical approach. Before we jump into it, guys, if you like what we do here on the show, a like and a sub, always appreciated. If you have any topics you'd like us to touch on, trades you want us to review in season, we'll get into start sits. We do a ton of that as well. But drop it in the comments down below. And follow us on Twitter at Double Move Sport. Shout out to everybody who's been interacting with us on there. But let's talk about your boy, Jonathan Taylor. DLF posted their February Dynasty ADP non-superflex rankings. I'll put those on the screen now. Jonathan Taylor in Dynasty startups. Right now, average draft position. The second overall pick, the 102 in Dynasty Startups. It's a rookie running back for the Colts, coming off a pretty strong year. Alex, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. What do you think about that second overall ranking? Is that where you have him? Is that too high? Too low? If you have him at the 101. I think it's... I think it's reasonable. I mean, to me, I mean, the, the clear distinction we have to reiterate here is non-super flex. We're talking one QB leagues here. So we know we're not going to take a receiver that early. We know the running back run at the start of those drafts is going to be pretty long. Um, and, and CMC is still the locked in 101. I know there's been some trade rumors, at least at the time of this recording, that CMC could be on the move. If he was on the move, who knows? Maybe that conversation opens up. But as long as he is a Carolina Panther no matter who the quarterback is, as he's proven over the past two seasons, CMC is locked in at that one spot. And at the two spot, you know, I think I personally, even as a Colts fan, would take a Saquon Barkley or maybe even a Dalvin Cook. I think those guys are right there at that 102, 103 spot. But JT is in the in the conversation there. I think for me, CMC is the one. But between Dalvin, um, Saquon, and JT, I think that's kind of another tier there as that second tier of running backs. And you can take those three in any order. And I think there's a case to be made. For JT, the question for me is just can he catch enough passes? I think he's proven he can be a, you know, quote unquote workhorse running back on the ground, get the volume there, get the touchdown upside behind that good Colts line. We'll talk about Wentz later, but he is an upgrade, in my opinion, to Phillip Rivers and what we saw last season. But to me, it's can Jonathan Taylor catch enough passes in these PPR formats 
to have value last year. Jonathan Taylor, 36 receptions with Phillip Rivers, a guy who throws to the running back a lot. And if you look at other workhorse running backs, these elite running back one type guys we've seen over the past couple of seasons, I don't need to talk about CMC or Camara there. We know what they do through the air. But even Zeke last season, we think of him as a ground and pound guy. We think of him, okay, he adds a little bit through the air. Um, it helps, but you know, it's not taking him over the top. Zeke had 52 receptions last year to JT's 36. Dalvin Cook had 44 receptions last year to, J- to JT's 36. Saquon, the last time he was healthy for a full season, 52 receptions. So Jonathan Taylor with the 32 with the 36 receptions he saw last season, that was good. That was solid. We saw, you know, the value go up. We honestly didn't think he was gonna have that much receiving work, especially with Naheem Hines there. So moving forward, can JT stay at that 35 to 40 number or can he even push that to 50 receptions in a season because if he can we've seen what he can do on the ground um that i mean to me that's that's the big difference between is he a guy at 102 or is he a guy at 107 the pass catching questions were all answered for me this year because he was hyper efficient one of the highest yards per receptions amongst all running backs he was great through the air he was just splitting that work with naheem hines JT, I mean, was going at 101 or 102 in 2020 uh, rookie drafts. He has the prototypical size and speed. We know that. And I think you mentioned Zeke there. I think JT is the closest player we've seen to an Ezekiel Elliott, a three-down do-it-all running back in a while. Marlon Mack, talking about some of the situation there in the indie backfield, Marlon Mack is is pretty much done. I mean, he's going to need essentially another season to get back to 100%, even then. Achilles injuries for for running backs are almost impossible to recover from because they need to cut so much. Uh, Who knows? Maybe Mac just gets like going free agency. Naheem Hines there as a scat back doesn't bother me at all for JT because I can keep him fresh. I can keep the defense on their toes. We've seen guys with similar situations have plenty of value like Zeke and Tony Pollard. Uh, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott was Boston Scott was kind of like that too. So Naheem Hines being there doesn't really scare me too much. But I think Rivers leaving is definitely going to impact the checkdown volume. Granted, Wentz was still targeting the running back a decent amount with Miles Sanders, Darren Sproles in Philly. But I think JT's just shown enough production to be a top three dynasty running back. He was top 10 in fantasy points per game last season as a rookie, finishes the RB6 on the year, a dominant back half after a rough patch midseason, and a true league winner in 2020 redraft leagues and for running backs we index youth higher at that position than almost any other position jonathan taylor just turned 22 he's only going to improve with more time in the league if we compare it to the other running backs that would be in that top five conversation at the the older and the younger end it's mccaffrey's almost 25 saquon just turned 24 camara's 25 dalvin cook is almost 26 in six months he will be Dobbins and Swift are about the same age as JT. Akers a few years younger. So if we're looking for a mix of production, youth, profile. JT checks all the boxes. That's why he's the 102 here. I think it's a pretty pretty spot on ranking. Maybe the only thing for me is, is maybe Saquon over JT. Yep. As far as rookie pick value, I mean, I got offered the 101 for Jonathan Taylor in our league. Instantly shut it down because <laughs> I need two first round picks, ideally with one in the top four picks. If I'm going to move Jonathan Taylor, which puts him at that 102, 103, 101 startup value. Um, yeah. So I, I love what DLF has here. I think it's pretty accurate. I think it's a spot on valuation for Jonathan Taylor. 
Yeah, I mean, weeks 13 through 17, although it's a small sample size, when Taylor came back from COVID, RB1 over that stretch and and uh and fantasy. So, you know, Taylor, to me, has the upside to get there. Certainly, if he starts to get more snaps, he'll get there. That's the big concern, though. Like, I know I'm glad you brought up Saquon Barkley as someone you would probably or at least consider taking over JT because that's where I'm at, too. I think I still would definitely take Saquon there because if you look at Saquon's game, if you just it's as simple as looking at his game logs, He's playing 80, 90, 95% of snaps each and every time he's on the field and healthy. And with Jonathan Taylor, he was over 70% of snaps. I know it was a rookie, but over 70% of snaps one time last season. And it was in that last game where he absolutely went off. So that was kind of like a little peek behind the curtain. Like if you unleash Jonathan Taylor, that showed us everything he can be. It's that Derrick Henry type production, you know, that last week. 30 carries, 253 yards, and two touchdowns, one reception for one yard. Like, that's a Derrick Henry type of stat line. So if Jonathan Taylor can get that kind of work on the ground, if that is his upside and he can sprinkle on some of that receiving work as well with the efficiency that he showed last season, um, I think it's there. But with a guy like Saquon, you just know the snaps, you know the volume, you know the receiving is going to be there. So I think he's a little bit safer of a pick. But if you have JT, you got to be really happy. So I know in the, the Dynasty League we're in together, Steph, you're pretty happy with that JT share that you got. 100%. And, and I think the biggest difference between Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley, outside of their, you know, how they play and their skill set, Saquon Barkley was also the second overall pick that the Giants took. He has insane amounts of draft capital. Jonathan Taylor, uh, 209. So early second round, nothing to bulk at. But when we look at correlation between running back breakouts in the NFL, the number one piece of information there that dictates a breakout that correlates to a breakout season is first round draft capital. So for Saquon Barkley, that's why I'm still indexing him a little bit higher over JT. So I think he's at, I, I think our consensus 103 from this conversation, I, I would gather that. Uh, but 102, certainly not going to debate too hard there. Let's keep going on the Colts. Let's talk about one of the biggest pieces of breaking news since the last time we jumped on here. It's Carson Wentz being moved to the Indianapolis Colts for a third-round pick. Uh, Colts obviously taking on a monster contract. I'll let you go first here, Alex. As a Colts fan, how excited are you for Carson Wentz trying to rejuvenate his career, pull a Ryan Tannehill up in Indy? I'm excited. As a Colts fan, you know, I always try to give the guy we got the benefit of the doubt. So last year with Rivers... I went in really excited, even after Rivers. It's kind of a similar situation. Like, Rivers was coming off the worst year of his career. People think he's done. He comes to the Colts. I was like, okay, Phillip Rivers is going to be great for this team. We're, I think, a quarterback away from being a real contender. And Rivers obviously was okay, you know, better than he was in L.A. with a better O-line, better weapons on offense. Well, probably not better weapons on offense, but a better O-line, a better run game, and a good defense. They were competitive. They made it pretty far last season. I was happy with it. But after seeing that, it's like Phillip Rivers was clearly not the guy to take this team to a Super Bowl. Jacoby Brissett was clearly not the guy that has the caliber of, of play and ability and upside to take this team to a Super Bowl. Carson Wentz, though, is interesting because although his season last year was absolutely abysmal and we haven't seen him in really that MVP form since 2017, I was thrilled that the Colts made this trade. I know the cap number for Wentz is going to be huge, but the Colts have done a really good job of building through the draft. They have a good amount of cap space on this team. So it's not a matter of 
you know, now the Colts are pinched for cap space. We have more to spend. I mean, I say we as a Colts fan, we have more to spend moving forward. If we want to try to bring in a big name receiver, there's the ability to do that. So the cap doesn't bother me. Giving up a third round pick and maybe a first, it's a first or a second in 2022, I think was, was great value for the Colts uh, to get Wentz. They didn't even have to give up that one this year and it ended up not even being the two. So I think Wentz is an upgrade from Phillip Rivers. As a Colts fan, I'm very, very excited to see what Wentz can do with a good defense in place, but also a good O-line and a good run game. Like if you think about... Mm. Pat, this is what really spells it out for me. Carson Wentz all season long was at, was getting absolutely bodied in the pocket. Like he didn't have a chance. And that starts to happen game after game after game. You get a little nervous back there as a quarterback. And even when the pressure's not coming, you feel like the pressure's coming. So I think Wentz can kind of take a step back with some more time uh, in the pocket and things like that with the Colts next season to really excel. And what really made it obvious to me how important that is was Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. We saw a Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl that we have never seen before. It was a Patrick Mahomes that was struggling, a Patrick Mahomes that was running backwards, twirling around, <laughs> doing all the Mahomes stuff that he's normally able to pull off. He wasn't able to do it. And quite frankly, Mahomes did not look like he was an MVP in the Super Bowl. And it was because the Bucks' pass rush was all over him all game long. And I think to an extent, that's what we saw from Wentz last season. I'm excited to see Wentz come in with a good O-line and see if he can get his game back. Because if he can, I think the Colts are contender. So I know I haven't even talked dynasty value yet. We will get into that. <laughs> but I will say as a Colts fan, I think Wentz still has some juice left in the tank. And if you held on through the low in dynasty, I think it's going to pay off for you next season. For me, from a dynasty standpoint, let me talk about that a little bit. I, I think it's it's the tale of two different Carson Wentz's. It's, is he, is yeah. he the 2017, 2018 you know, MVP nominee type of player that he was or is he this 2020 you know just trying to play hero Shells. ball had flashes but was taking a lot of sacks throwing a ton of interceptions he's also sustained a lot of injuries in his career concussion acl back issues has two seasons where he missed about half the season but for me i'm optimistic about the move i think the colts are a, a damn near perfect landing spot for carson mm -hmm. wentz if he's going to have a rejuvenation if he's gonna get back to his old ways i think the colts are one of the few organizations that can do that for him right now they had that top tier offensive line you mentioned no true superstars but plenty of decent weapons all around him at wide receiver running back tight end he's a defense now on the other side of the ball that should be able to take some pressure off he, maybe he doesn't need to play hero ball as much and i don't believe the colts would have taken on the contract and moved away that draft capital unless they really thought with all their heart and soul that they could fix whatever the issues were with Wentz. So do we think Wentz is like a, a, a pro bowler again? I, I doubt it in a new system after a brutal 2020, but I think he can still produce at a really, really high level still in his prime at 28 years old. And I'm not sold necessarily on buying Wentz in dynasty, you know, in like a super flex league. Because I just don't know if the ceiling there is really higher than other guys that are kind of near his value that I'd, I'd rather just be able to buy low, like a Matt Ryan, a Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, these 4,000-yard-a-year pocket passers. Uh, and I think there's more risk with Wentz than, than any of those options that I just named based on what we saw in 2020. So just give me the cheapest of that group. That's kind of my mindset with that tier of quarterbacks. Uh, so if they do end up having a good year, like Matt Ryan has an MVP season, okay, you sell him for peak value, move on to another pocket passer. But let's talk about the weapons. What are the implications all across the board for fantasy? Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, 
Jack Doyle, Mo Ali Cox, Trey Burton. You know, are, are you optimistic for all these weapons now, and and potentially if they bring in some receivers who the draft or in free agency? Yeah, I definitely am. And you know, there's a lot of buy-in to tendencies and things like that. Like, oh, Philip Rivers throws to the running back a ton, so now Rivers is gone. So with Wentz, you know, Naheem Hines loses value, and maybe a little bit, but I think it's more of a scheme thing with this Colts team. So I think Wentz helps the value of Jonathan Taylor significantly for some of those scoring opportunities. I think he lifts the value of the tight ends. We know he loved both Ertz and Goddard in Philly. So that is a tendency thing, but it's definitely not going to hurt those tight ends. And with the arm that Wentz has, I think it's going to be a lift for those guys and for the receivers as well. I think for Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman, if we're going to see a breakout from those guys, I think there's a much higher likelihood we were able to see that happen with Carson Wentz than we were able to with Phillip Rivers last season. Both guys that can get it done down the field. So with Wentz's arm being stronger than Rivers was as you know a 40-year-old last season, I think it helps those guys. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with T.Y. Hilton and with the free agent receivers on the market. T.Y. is is set to hit um, free agency. I'm really interested to see what the Colts decide to do. You know, I'm a big T.Y. Hilton fan, but I would still love to see them bring in a true Apple wide receiver one. There's a lot of guys this season that are potentially going to be free agents. Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, Juju Smith-Schuster, Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel, A.J. Green, Marvin Jones, T.Y. Hilton. So some of those guys I'd obviously prefer more than others. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily want all of them, but there's options there. And some of those guys are going to hit the open market. So the Colts are going to have options. They're still going to have the cap space to get things done. And if they do go out and bring in a, a true wide receiver one type guy, think about an Allen Robinson, a Kenny Galladay, a Chris Godwin, I think that's going to bode really well for those guys being the true number one target in this offense. Yeah, I do think it is a slight upgrade to Rivers. Um, even if Wentz just improves slightly, like let's say he regresses back to his old self, even just to a small degree, I still think that's plenty there for all the weapons. Rivers in 2020, 543 pass attempts, completed 68% of those for 4,200 yards, 24 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, was 10th in the league in yards per attempt. Carson Wentz, if we take his 2020, extrapolate that out to to 16 games because he did, you know, Jalen Hurts came in. But Wentz, 582 attempts, 57% completion rate, yikes. 3,500 yards, 21 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. So if, if he can just improve on that horrible 2020 season, slightly be a little bit more efficient, get the passing yards closer to 4,000, I think he can match Rivers' 24 touchdowns. And if his, his completion rate gets closer to his career average of 63%, he was at 57% last year. Like, I, I feel like that has to improve, improve at least to some degree with a new system just because he's going to have more time to throw. And, and honestly, like, he just needed a reboot. Yeah. Um, I think he can get that here. So I think both of us are optimistic. I think I'm more cautiously optimistic. I'm, I'm definitely not buying once himself, but I'm pretty excited for the weapons here. Are you trying to buy or sell any of these guys right now um, with ones impacting their value? Before we move on, I, you know, there's no what you're right. I don't think there's any weapons that I'm necessarily going to be more interested in buying or more interested in selling just because of the win snooze. I don't think it's that much of a game changer for the other weapons right. on Indy's offense. But I want to talk about Wentz himself. You know, you talked about not wanting to buy him. I think he's, you know, I want him on my dynasty team, but only because I'm a Colts fan. But I think he's an interesting sell right now because there's this hype about Carson Wentz nice. getting traded to the Colts. People have these big imaginations of, oh, he's going to return to MVP form. Oh, he has Frank Reich. Oh, you know, 
it's the greatest thing to ever happen. So if there are people in your league, and I'm talking to you, you know who you are in our league who has Carson Wentz. If there are people in your league that are coming <laughs> to you trying to acquire him, it might not be a bad time to trade him because his value might be as high right now as it's going to be until we see him play week one. And depending on what happens week one, it's either going to go way up or it's going to go way down. So if you want to hedge your bet a little bit right now is a prime time to sell Carson Wentz. Um, and if you're buying, maybe wait until some of the hype dies down until we're talking, you know, about the rookies in the draft or we're getting into camp and things like that and try to sneak in a low ball offer for once then. Um, but it's going to be really, really hard to buy him for a fair price because I just don't know what to expect for me. He's probably, you know, if we're talking dynasty leagues, a, a middle of the pack quarterback too. you know, he's right in that range of guys like Kirk Cousins. I, I would probably take Matt Stafford over Wentz at this point. Stafford's several years older, but I think the the upside and the consistency for where he's going to be in that Rams offense with McVay is more of a sure thing. So he's right in that in that middle QB QB two tier. Um, but at 28 years old, if he comes out and lights the world on fire this season, man, you could end up having the upside of a top 10 dynasty quarterback. I think that's the ceiling here for Carson Wentz. So enough about the Colts. Let's talk about the team. The other team you just bandwagoned on, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> and their running back selection in the 2020 draft, Keyshawn Vaughn. Yep. It's a really interesting time for him in dynasty leagues because this is a guy that I think is a pretty polarizing prospect. A lot of people were out on him from day one. Others were taking him relatively high in rookie drafts, thinking, oh, this is going to be the, the, the Tom Brady running back of the future in a great offense. What do you think uh, about Keyshawn Vaughn right now? Uh, I'll go ahead and go first. I think he has the upside to be in the Leonard Fournette role. The Leonard Fournette role in this Tom Brady offense, I think that's literally the upside for Keyshawn Vaughn in 2021, assuming Fournette leaves in free agency. Vaughn can get a role in the passing game, which we have not seen Ronald Jones. He's, I would say, serviceable at best mm -hmm. through the air. Um, they did not trust him on the goal line at all. It was always Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette was just getting all the high-value touches. My, my concern with Vaughn, though, is, is if you're going to go out and acquire him, don't overpay for a guy that's disappointed in his first year as a rookie who's pretty old coming out of college, almost 24 years old already. So I'm only buying if I can buy low from an owner that wants to move on. But another comparison I want to make here, if you're, if you're high on A.J. Dillon, I think you have to love Keyshawn Vaughn because you can get Keyshawn Vaughn at about half the price and receive the same upside if things hmm. break their way. Their situations are actually pretty similar. A.J. Dillon, strong offense led by a great quarterback. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, free agency is going to impact his value. Green Bay should still have another running back there splitting work. And he showed some flashes. Look at Vaughn, also on a great offense led by a great quarterback. Leonard Fournette has a huge free agency impact. We know Rojo's there splitting the work and he showed some flashes as a rookie. So add that in with the fact that I think Vaughn actually has a stronger all around skill set than, than AJ Dillon. I think he's more shifty. He has better hands based on what he did in college and what we've seen a little bit on tape. So I'd move, if, if I have, let's say a lot of second round draft capital in my rookie draft, I'm willing to move one of those picks, maybe a mid to late round second, if I need running back upside, just because this year's rookie class isn't that deep at the running back position. There's like three or four guys that are really interesting or, or close to strong hits. 
So I think I am willing to buy Vaughn if I need him. Yeah, I mean, he's... If that makes sense. He's definitely a buy or a hold if you've got him. Because if you're trying to sell him, you're not going to get much, most likely. I, Steph, I might even be willing to throw out you know, an early third or a mid third. I mean, depending on how many rounds your rookie draft is, people might be looking at Keyshawn Vaughn like, dang, there was this hype going into the season. Is it Vaughn or is it Rojo? The sky is the limit. And then obviously the Fournette signing happens and Vaughn goes straight to the bottom of the barrel. But it's it's now would be the time to buy. We don't know what's going to happen with Leonard Fournette. Obviously, it seems like the Bucks want to bring back a lot of that Super Bowl team next season, but they have guys to sign on defense. They have a lot of guys to sign on offense. It's going to be tough for them to make that happen. And with Rojo there, with Vaughn there, two young guys, both 23 years old, I just don't know. It, you know, it's all down to Fournette. What's he willing to accept from a from a compensation perspective? Because at age 26, gets cut from Jacksonville, comes in, has a really strong playoff run there. Fournette might say, this was my one-year prove-it deal. I got my ring. I want to move on and get one last big contract in my career. And if that's the case, he will not be with Tampa Bay next season. But if he says, dang, let's run it back, he might be back. So, you know, I think the Fournette news is really going to impact Vaughn in the short term very significantly because if Fournette's back next season, that's just another year for Vaughn to essentially warm the bench and be that third guy in the pecking order. So if you want to take your gamble, if you think Fournette's going to leave, throw out some feelers for Keyshawn Vaughn right now because when he did get action last season, he proved to be fairly effective. I mean, there was one game where we really got to see him get a lot of run 15 carries for 62 yards against the Detroit Lions also had a reception for seven yards in that game. So nothing crazy from a fantasy perspective, but he he proved he could he could carry some of the load. He could get the job done and do a decent job. So we didn't get to see a ton from Vaughn, but I do think the talent is still there. And if it's Vaughn and Rojo next season, you're right. I think both are going to have a role. And could Vaughn end up in the short term if Fournette's gone next season being that guy that's your RB3 that you plug in during bye weeks that helps you, you know, if injuries happen. And it's also the kind of high value handcuff where if something was to happen to Rojo, to that other guy, he steps into a workhorse role. I think that's exactly what you have there. And you're not finding that in the back of the second round right away. You're not finding that in the third round unless you, you know, you have the Antonio Gibson um, of next season. So I like it. I think you should throw out some feelers for Keyshawn Vaughn, but you have to understand it's a risk. If Fournette's back, Vaughn is going to continue to be buried and he's losing time. You know, running backs are a race against time. So if Vaughn loses another season and, and doesn't have the opportunity and now he's 24, you're probably going to be um, looking at a pretty, pretty big uphill climb for him to be effective. But if you want to take that chance, if you want upside guys, or if you're negotiating other deals and someone has Keyshawn Vaughn, I think he's a perfect throw in. If you, you know, you're in a negotiation for a trade and you're kind of on the fence. You think you're going to do it, and you're like, all right, Keyshawn Vaughn, and it's done. Add Keyshawn Vaughn, and it's done. He's a great throw-in to any bigger potential trade. So keep an eye out for those kind of guys on rosters. Vaughn is one of them. There's a lot of other young players. Think about um, guys like you know Jalen Rager, uh, Michael Pittman. Um, you mentioned even A.J. Dillon. Maybe some people are still sleeping on him. Those are the kind of guys, if people have them on their roster, they might be disappointed in what happened as a rookie. But they're still a young talent that could be very effective for fantasy football for the next several seasons if given opportunity. So be looking for those kind of things um, and buy those guys low all day. Vaughn is extremely appealing to me from everything he did in college. I think he has the size and speed you want to see. He ran a 4-5. It's not the fastest in the world, but guys like Dalvin Cook will run that type of speed. But he's 5'10", 215. 
that's what you want to see. Maybe a little bit of height there. Maybe put him up to six foot to really get there. But I mean, 5'10", 215, you'll take that every single day of the week. And he had 10% of his college target share, which was a 75th percentile amongst running backs. He was able to produce in the passing game in college. And he did see 10 targets. Mm-hmm. He only caught a few of those, caught five of them this year. I think there's still a lot that he can show there if he can get the trust of, of Tom Brady in the in the Bucks. Uh, organization as a whole but let's talk about another running back here another polarizing name kind of like Keyshawn Vaughn it's a veteran a guy who's already on his second contract Joe Mixon and this is on the show sheet today because I know it's going to lead to a disagreement we were talking about some trades in our own league and this is a guy that came up and it was like oh I'm totally out on him and you were like what I'm completely in on him so let's talk Joe Mixon I'll let you make your case for him first because I'll go ahead and preface it now. I'm I'm kind of out uh, in Dynasty. I, I still love him in 2020 run redraft, but for Dynasty, I think he's massively overvalued. Here's the thing with Joe Mixon. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, last season, very disappointing. Um, he missed, you know, the majority of the season. And I think through the first six weeks, people were hoping for more out of Joe Mixon. People were really disappointed in the efficiency. Um, but you look at his games and he only, I mean, six weeks, he really crushed you twice with single digit performances. Every other week was fine. He was right there in those mid teens and he had the pop week for 42 points. So, you know, he was disappointing last season, but while he was healthy weeks one through six, he was still PPR running back nine, still a top 10 guy. So small sample size, a little bit inconsistent, but the production was still there last season. You can't say it wasn't. And you look at his situation right now in Cincinnati and this, you talk about Joe Burrow, you talk about T. Higgins, you talk about their coach, Zach Taylor, you talk about the offensive line with nowhere to go but up. And I think most people will agree that the Cincinnati Bengals have a bright future. You look at um, the pieces they have on offense, you look at hopefully Joe Burrow coming back healthy, you look at, I know you love Tyler Boyd, you, and I know you love T. Higgins, you look at Boyd and Higgins, <laughs> you look at the pieces of this offense. And you say, okay, I understand that there is a clear roadmap here for this Bengals team to be very, very dynamic and a very, very good offense in the future. In the past, Joe Mixon has been a solid fantasy running back without any of those pieces, without a good quarterback, without a good O-line, without a lot of scoring opportunity. And when I look forward to 2021 and even beyond, I think the sky is the limit for this Bengals offense and the efficiency for Joe Mixon and the receiving work for Joe Mixon um, and the scoring opportunities for Joe Mixon. So... I don't understand why you would fade Joe Mixon when he has still proven that he's getting the workload, that he's talented, and that the offense is going nowhere but up. And he's only 24 years old. So he's been in the... The the thing is, he's already on his second contract. He is 24. And how much... Like you're saying, yes, the Bengals' offense is going to improve. Totally agree with that. And this is why I love Joe Mixon for 2021, because I do think that upside is, is tremendous. But for a running back at his age... Yes, the contract give him, gives him stability, but we might have a, by the time the Bengals O-line and pieces are where they need to be, he's going to be 26 years old, kind of like Dalvin Cook is right now, and that's a best-case scenario, but his, his value is declining. And Joe Mixon has done nothing near what Dalvin Cook has done. Uh, I, I'm selling today if I can get peak value from someone who believes in the Joe Mixon ceiling because we've now waited four seasons and Mixon just hasn't delivered for where his ADP has been. I mean, Steph, in 2018, PPR running back 10 in just 14 games. In 2019, he had that miserable first half. The incredible second half led a lot of people to championships. PPR running back 13 
Last season was top 10 running back before he got hurt. And all those seasons were with dysfunctional offenses and bad offensive lines. So he actually has proven to be a top 12 RB1 three straight seasons when healthy. Last season, there was a lot of narrative around Giovanni Bernard getting too much work and Joe Mixon not being the workhorse. He was seeing 20 carries per game and four targets per game in the first six weeks of the season. The efficiency just wasn't there. So if you do talk about the offense taking a step forward, you do talk about that leading to an increase in efficiency for Joe Mixon. I don't see what they're, what the problem is there. Yeah. There's nothing not to like. I get it. He's on a second contract, but he's still only 24 years old. We talk about Saquon Barkley as the number two overall guy coming off an injury and in an inefficient offense. He's 24 years old. So, you know, that's where I just don't understand the hate for Mixon. No, I don't have him as, you know, a top 10 dynasty running back, but I think he's right there on the cusp of that RB1, you know, territory. I think he's um, a top 15 dynasty guy for sure. That's... The problem is I think that value is a little bit too high because let, let me put it this way. If I can package Joe Mixon with a wide receiver two and upgrade Joe Mixon to Miles Sanders, Nick Chubb, Antonio Gibson, or maybe even move him for an Austin Eckler plus or a Clyde Edwards Elair plus, I'm smashing accept on that because I don't want to wait for this Bengals situation to improve by the time that Joe Mixon is still in his prime, like there's too much risk to keep holding. We've been waiting on, again, this big breakout for four years. Yes, he's getting the volume, but until Gio Bernard leaves and the offensive line improves significantly, I don't see how Mixon is going to be this, this low-end RB1 again like people expected him to be in 2020. The Bengals offense was 30th in the NFL per pro football focus. They are in the bottom five of pretty much every efficiency and adjusted line yards metric. Exactly. And he's still been an RB1. He's still been an RB1 with the 30th offense. So if we're both agreeing, there's nowhere to go but up. And he's been an RB1 when healthy for the past three seasons. I don't understand what there is that's going to change there, except Giovanni Bernard potentially getting cut. So I just don't understand the downside here. Even, even with the monster game, Against Jacksonville. Mixon only averaged 3.6 yards per attempt yeah. in 2020. It feels like Zach Taylor has not learned how to use him properly or consistently in the passing game. And when Mixon went bananas that one game against Jacksonville, Gio Bernard was hurt. He only played 17% of snaps. Like we're relying on a lot to fall Mixon's way for him to truly reach that ceiling again uh, in the first six games where Mixon and Bernard were, were both healthy. Uh, Gio averaged four targets a game. He had a few touchdowns, and this offense is going to support Deacons and Tyler Boyd as stable fantasy producers, um, and, and I think that's notable, um, but I'm more worried about the O-line thing, and, and yeah, Joe too. Burrow certainly does make this offense exciting, but I'm just, I'm just not trying to wait another year when I think a lot of people are valuing Joe Mixon, much like some of the names that I said, like Antonio Gibson, Miles Sanders, Nick Chubb. It's like, give me those guys who have proven it consistently over multiple years and are better situations not having to wait for this O-line to take this massive jump for them to be efficient. I, I don't know. I'm just not sold. I feel like we've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and it truly hasn't hit, and I don't think it's going to. Look, I, I get those concerns, um, but we talk about this bad O-line, and I get it. Last year, Joe Mixon was incredibly inefficient. The receiving work is up and down because of Giovanni Bernard, but the volume is there. And if we're saying – I know he was inconsistent last year, but if we're saying that – Joe Mixon, if we're ruling out Joe Mixon because of the offensive line, but yet over the past three seasons with a bad offensive line, 
He's still an RB1, and we're saying there's nowhere to go but okay. up. And look, the Bengals, let's see what they do in the draft because Joe Mixon has proven to be an RB1 for the past three years. And if the Bengals go out and they draft Sewell out of Oregon at tackle, you get a healthy Jonah Williams at tackle. Let's see what else they do in free agency in the draft on the interior of that offensive line. And you might be looking at a pretty quick turnaround. Sewell is a guy who can come in and make an immediate impact on the offensive line. Joe Tooney and Brandon Scherf at guard could potentially be free agents. The Bengals could be in play for those guys as well if they hit the open market. I know continuity is important on an offensive line, but before we just start saying that the Bengals offensive line can't turn around for three more years, let's see what happens in free agency in the draft because some of these units can turn around quicker than you think if you get one big one big piece in place. That's fair. I, I think the Sewell acquisition would be huge. I hope it happens. Hopefully they don't take a Jamar Chase with that early draft capital. I think that'd be an utter mistake. Hopefully Sewell falls to them and they take him. For Joe Mixon's sake, I don't want to bet on that. And here's the thing. Think about this. If the if Joe Mixon has another bad season, whether it's injury, whether it's just more inefficiency, with all the pieces now around him, it's like now you're holding on to a guy going into a 26-age season in, in 2022 that's now not broken out in six years. I get so it. So it's just like, can can I sell him now? While, while, because he is getting the work. He's getting the 20 carries a game. I just don't think the value's there right now. I think people are undervaluing him because I have Mixon in a couple spots in Dynasty, and you know I'm always willing to trade anybody, but I'm valuing him higher. Like People aren't willing to pay for Mixon. People aren't willing to pay Miles Sanders plus, CEH plus, Eckler plus, Antonio Gibson plus. People aren't willing to pay that. They're not even willing to do those trades straight up. So for me, I'd probably take Mixon over a handful of those guys straight up as things are. So if people aren't even going to give me that kind of value for him, it, it, he's just tough to sell right now because he's coming off of an injury. Like if you really don't think Mixon's ever going to provide fantasy value again, and you're saying, okay, I think he's washed. I think the upside isn't there. And you want to like, if you, if you think Joe Mixon has nothing left in the tank, now is the time to sell because the more that we see this Bengals offense play out, the more that we see Joe Mixon suffer with injuries, the more we see Joe Mixon be ineffective on the field. And from a fantasy perspective, you're right. As he ages, the value is only going to go down. But to me, I guess I'm saying I'm a believer that things are going to turn around in Cincy. I'm a believer Joe Mixon's going to be back next season and be effective and be a workhorse. So I think if you're selling now, you're not selling at max value. I think I believe that Mixon's going to have a good year, and I think if he starts to have a good year, that value is going to go nowhere but up. But it sounds like your take is more of Mixon's done, and if you wait one more season, he could be Todd Gurley level. You're getting nothing for him, which I understand. The risk might outweigh the reward. But I'm just a big, big believer in Mixon and a big believer on that upside. No, I hear you, and and certainly, like like I said, I, I love him in 2021. If he hits that upside, okay, boom. Now you, now you do have a Dalvin Cook, a guy who has you know finished in that upper tier. He's getting all the work. He is on the little bit on the older side, and you can still you can sell Dalvin Cook right now and get a massive haul. So yep. there, there's two ends of the spectrum. I'm leaning one way, you're leaning the other. Let me ask you this: What you do if I offered? Joe Mixon and Keenan Allen. What would that get me? Would that get me an Antonio Gibson? Would that get me an Ezekiel Elliott? Would that get me a Camara, a Miles Sanders? I think it would. I would take the Mixon and Keenan Allen side all day. I I, I can't imagine giving that. I like 
to me, I would take Mixon. Mixon and Miles Sanders are close for me. I might rather have Mixon. Wow. Um, I'd probably take Mixon. You know, he to me, I'd take him over Ceh. I would take him over um, maybe Josh Jacobs. He's right there with Miles Sanders. Like those guys are all in a, in the same tier for me. So. I would really have to get into kind of the nitty gritty of ranking those guys in order. I know I'm pretty fired up about mixing right now, so I don't want to necessarily <laughs> say I'd take him over those guys, but it's close. I'm saying yeah. it's close. And if we're looking at tiers, you know, you got those tiers at the top, you kind of have that next gen tier that's got like DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, and J.K. Dobbins. But then you get into that tier of like Miles Sanders, Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs, um, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon's right in there for me. And, you know, if I'm evaluating those guys, it's almost a wash. So it would be really tough for me to add a ton of value to Joe Mixon and turn it into a guy that I value the same. So um, I guess that's where I'm coming from. Um, and if you could do that and get, you know, a Cam Akers, then sure. Oh. If you could get a J.K. Dobbins, then sure. Um, I, I understand the argument there with the age and the upside. Um, and just quite frankly, less question marks with those guys. But that tier down, I, I don't necessarily think it's it's something I would do right now. Well, go put some feelers out in your leagues. Who knows, man? Maybe, maybe there's people that uh, this is just another polarizing player that some people are trying to sell. Others are trying to buy and the, and the market's really up and down on them. I'm seeing him like I'm checking some rankings right now on a few other sites. Mixon's usually in that high-end RB2 range. I think for me, I'd have him more in the 16, 17, 18. I think you'd have him more 11, 12, 13. Does that sound about right? Yep. Yep, yep. So, and it's crazy how much of a debate we can have when the the difference is like five spots in ranking. <laughs> and that's the deal, fun man. of Dynasty right there. Uh, Alex, I think that's it for all the topics we wanted to hit on today. Guys, let us know what you think about Joe Mixon in the comments below. I'm curious, maybe I'm just off my rocker. And you need to let me know that. Uh, but if you like what we do here on the channel, again, a like and a sub, always, always appreciated. Keeps our, the wind in our sails here at Double Move Sports. If you want to listen to us on the go, we're out on Spotify. We're out on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Alex, anything else to add before we jump off here? Only other thing I want to add, Steph, is, man, it is good to be back. And I know we've gotten into a lot of different content as the offseason has started, you know, this is the time where we can really start to dig in into some new things as we get out of the grind of the regular season. We've talked a lot of Dynasty. I've been doing the videos talking a lot about just general NFL stuff. Steph, I know you made the, the video in the case for the Ravens uh, picking up a wide receiver one. So we're doing a lot of different stuff on the channel. If you're hanging with us, if you're rolling with us, we are open to suggestions. Like what stuff are you enjoying? What content do you want to see more of? Because we're taking all those things back and trying to bring it for you guys. So drop in the comments below what you want to see more of, what you're enjoying. And Steph and I, we'll be on it. We'll be back like we never left, no doubt. Two more months until the draft. Let's get it. There's going to be a huge crescendo here in the spring. But thank you all so much for listening and watching. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.